Zero four zero Alpha, confirm that's bombs dropping on Mazdrak. Fucking hell! Alright, we just stopped there for a fucking piss break uh, and a fag break, and we're back in. So, where the fuck did we finish off? Uh, we were talking about Belize, didn't we? Yeah, Belize, I yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's that. <laughs> Draw a line under that. Yeah, mate. I've heard so many fucking stories. Yeah. So many different boys, man. It's just you know, everyone's got families and wives and kids. Now we'll just keep it where it's at. Um, Obviously, I've done nothing incriminating, but I wouldn't want to uh, put anybody else. Well, one of the boys has oh, got a fucking yeah. kid over there uh, right now, so like we'll, we'll just really. Well, maybe like just. Next. Maybe just use that <laughs> as an example. Uh, oh no! Yeah. Um, right. So I know now that down in Brecon they've got a, a sniper. Was it a sniper? It's not a cadre. It's a sniper course, isn't it? Yeah, and no, I think that's running at Warminster now. I think. I think that's. Is it? Yeah, I think right. so. Yeah. Right. Um, so did you have to go and do one of those? Before you went to Afghan, or did you? No, because I was already so I've I was one of the lucky ones that managed to get badge first time around. Right, okay. So it means I passed the field craft side and the marksmanship side. Yeah. So luckily I didn't have to go and do another course. I think some guys had to go and do another another course um, with sniper did, but now there's no. I mean, you do refresher training. Yeah. Every year, um, but I didn't have to go and do any uh, big courses per se. That was me sort of badge. Right. So unlike most courses, it's not a fucking pass. It's not a yeah. Attend the course, you get passed, and you get the fucking call. No, no. Right. You, there's a like stringent uh, tests that you need to pass to a standard. Well, I mean, you could still go. You could still um, go to operations and use the weapon system. You just there's certain rules of engagement you're not allowed to um, sort of use if, if you're not bad sniper. Right, okay. So <clears throat> you're already a bad sniper by then and you have done Northern Ireland and you said it was a good uh, warm up for going on tour to Afghanistan. At the time yeah. before you're doing before you got to Afghanistan uh, Afghanistan, what sort of pre deployment pre deployment training were you doing? Um, and how do you think that that was either useful or not so useful to the job role that you ended up doing when you were in Afghanistan? So, I got, I got, um, I think it was 2008 at the time, I went to Kenya, and that might have been about a year, roughly, before we deployed. So, I got moved to the recce, uh, attached to the recce at that point, and then from at that point on, till a few months into the tour, I was with the recce platoon. So, I did all my pre-deployment and training with them. Now, we, we did a lot of I think we did an exercise Grand Prix, it was called in Kenya at the time, yeah. um, which wasn't PDT, but it was definitely that sort of spin was on it. Um, and then we actually did the pre-deployment training, 
if I remember rightly, it was in winter. It was I can remember being in, in desert combats and a jackal in the, in the snow. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Fucking hell. Yeah, it's just so far removed. But I mean, you can only piss with the cock you've got, so you have to you have to train. And that was the weather it was at the time. Um I think we went down to centre actually and did some stuff down there, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it was because the final, I think the final attack, the battalion did an attack on us and I was the recce, so we did our, we we went and did a lie up on the position um, the night before, and I mind it being, we did a river cross, and it was absolutely fucking Baltic, and I lay on a hill that whole <laughs> night, like my fucking legs, feet and that were numb. Uh, that was, oh, that was the night, that was the night of the infamous split call sign. Right, yeah. right. Send, send it. What's what's that all? <laughs> oh no! So I don't know if you know who Butch Parker is out now. He was the um, he was the platoon commander for the recce at that point. He was a colour boy, and we were patrolling onto the uh, objective, the positioning Overwatch as a platoon at this point. I think I was like third last man because I had to free free eight. So I said I can't be like last man or point man or that. Um, I need protected. Then we were we were moving at night. Anyway, we'd like moved over a fence into a wood block. I think we were just about to conduct the... I don't know if it was a river crossing, it was more of a just walk through water really high. I don't think we treated it as a, <laughs> you know, like a proper river crossing. But yeah. I think we'd just gone firm before we were about to do that. And I looked behind me, it was Cycle. Oh, bless him. It was Cycle behind me. And I could mind him going, Arnie, Arnie. I was like, what? He's like, this split call sign. I was like, all right, fucking Roger. I tried to pass it up on PRR, no comms. And the guy in front of me, like, we've got a split call thing. So that basically means that everybody goes far, everybody stops until you find the the guy who's missing. It was uh, we Brucey. And I don't know if you remember we Brucey. Um, yeah, built like yeah. fucking ten, built like ten men, but about five foot nothing. He, yeah. Um, right, so he he'd um, he was the guy. He was rear protection. He was last. He was the last guy in patrol, and he'd he'd basically gone deaf. He got lost or, or lost the patrol. So. Uh, I turned to cycle, I was like, have you, have you seen him? Where is he? He's like, I don't know. When we crossed the fence, I turned around, he wasn't there. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then I just hear this fucking, like, trumping coming through the wood block. And uh, it was Butch. And he fucking grabbed me by the chin strap. He's like, are you fucking last man? And straight away, I fucking shot my tights. I was like, no, 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 Psycho's behind me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Psycho's behind me. Um, he was like, Psycho. He was like, yes, colour. And uh, honestly... I was watching and I just seen Butch grabbing by the chin strap and all the hair was like, boom, boom, boom. And he was cycling, colour, 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 please, colour, colour. <laughs> I couldn't even look, mate. I just looked into the woods, into the darkness, eh, just trying to look, just hoping that Butch wouldn't, even, wouldn't see me. Um, I, so I think Cycle was getting uh, knocked away on his tin bin and then we moved back and got Brucey. But I just remember Cycle having the time of his life. Uh, kind of see a Butch Parker <laughs> that night in the woodblock. <laughs> oh, never have I dobbed somebody in so quick. <laughs> and I would do it again. I would do it all again. <laughs> uh, but I, so we did, I remember, I remember us doing Overwatch, like freezing and me trying to stand up in the morning and just falling over. Uh, that's basically my memory of pre-deployment training. I remember when uh, that like, that guy lost the GPMG barrel. Uh, I mean, talk, talk, let's talk about that. What was your pre-deployment training for? <laughs> um, so I was uh, I finished basic training and then went straight to unit and the first week was the I think I covered this when I was talking to Tut Tut um, my first week I was doing like a ceremonial duty for Sean Binney's funeral oh yeah I think that yeah 
So I was there for three weeks. I was in a bit of for three weeks before I got to Afghan. And the first week was just a ceremonial duty. And then the second and third week, the second week I took a, me and Ricky Miller were sent to Northern Ireland to do uh, live fire ranges. Right. So we went there and joined a bunch of other country were getting deployed uh, from, you know, all over the army. We ended up doing these live fire ranges uh, just to get a tick in the box. And then that week was over. And then again, me, Ricky Miller and a bunch of other new jocks that I rocked up with went down to Lid. I drove them in a combi van down to Lid. Um, Some drive. Oh, mate, horrendous. Um, I actually, like, my, my auntie was living in Canterbury at the time. So I drove down to Canterbury uh, seen my auntie for like a half hour and then drove on to Lid. It was fucking random as fuck. Um, so I went to Lid and done like three, four days of like, um, essentially it was like an RSOI sort of pre-deployment combo. Yeah. Um, sort of ticking the boxes type thing. Yeah, again, like it's all the same, mate. Like the briefs, you're just getting the same briefs that you got when you arrive in country. You know, yeah. like, if you're cutting about Bastion, make sure you've got your fucking high-vis uh, built on, blah, blah, blah. IEDs are made of this. Like, this is how they're implanted in the ground, and uh, these are your rules of engagement, and fucking this is public order, and, like, all that sort of shit. And you go through yeah. scenarios of, like, uh, laws are on conflict and all that sort of shit down in Lib. Um, and then, let me think about where I flew out from. Ah, so we went straight from Lid and we drove straight to Bryce. And then I met. Oh, so that was you. I was flying and straight. Was that you PDT and then straight out? Like that was it. Yeah. So I met. Up. Yeah. So I, I drove. We drove the combi van to Bryce Norton. Met up with a, a young officer that has obviously just finished PCB, and we flew out to Cyprus, and then we got on a, a military fucking flight to. Afghan. Bastion. We landed in yeah. no, we landed in uh, Kandahar. Kandahar. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then I was fucking I arrived at like one in the morning, mate, and literally, like, somebody picks me up from the fucking flight lane, takes me to Camp Roberts and is like, right, there you go. It's like one yeah. in the morning, I'm a brand new fucking jock, and I'm like <laughs> uh, Don't know where your platoon is, nothing. I'm like, uh I went into like I guess you would call it the fucking guard room. I went into this yeah, tent. Yeah, it was a tent. It was a tent, wasn't it, on the front? Yeah, I went into the tent and I'm like, uh, I'm private, you're, I just got here. And they're like, all right, we'll go to their transit tent and we'll get you in the morning. I'm mm. like, so I went out and I'm like, where the fuck's the transit tent? <laughs> I took a walk yeah. around, mate. Took a rock, walk around for like 20 minutes looking for signs to say transit tent. Couldn't oh, find God. it, so I went back. I was like, uh, court, I was like some Lance Corporal, I can't even remember who it was. And I went in and I'm like, uh, Corporal, uh, I can't find the transit tent. He's like, it's fucking over there. So he came out and pointed and it's like, it's over there. Just get yourself in there and we'll get somebody to come get you in the morning. So I went in the transit tent, fucking got my kit out, went to sleep, woke up at like six in the morning to make sure that I wasn't in bed when somebody came and got me. Got mm -hmm. to like one in the afternoon, nobody came. And I'm like, right, I'll probably go and see somebody now. So I went and go and see someone and they're like, yeah, you've got to do RSOI and all this sort of shit, so just stay in the transit tent, someone will come and get you, mate. And it went on like that for like two or three days, and I ended up getting put oh, on an RSOI, and it's like, it was like an absolute shit show. And the only reason it was a shit show is because the retirement were on a fucking full-scale full scale ops. Yeah. 
Like the Leeds ah, right. Warriors was four fucking new blokes rocking up. They're like, yeah, I can just keep them, keep them there now. <laughs> so anyone that could have held Chipper was out, was out on ops or anyone could be platoon. Yeah. Here, this is my fucking introduction to my platoon though. Um, so I do the fucking RSY. It's about I don't know, ten days long, and I have to do all the fucking um, uh, like fizz to get get used to the, the climate or whatever. And I think we're separated at this time. But anyway, I finally get to my, my platoon and I get put in the uh, Bravo Company 7 platoon. And originally I get put in, uh, they're like, right, you're going to uh, Corporal Copeland's section. And I'm like, right, okay. So somebody takes me down there, takes me to the tent. It's like, just fucking get yourself in there, find the bed space. And I'm like, fucking hell. Like, at least like, show me where I'm meant to go and like where I'm meant yeah, to Yeah, yeah. You don't want to like, there's no clear and obvious bed spaces right so i just go in there and sit in a fucking gorilla box and i wait there for 20 minutes half an hour i'm in there for about four or five minutes right and then copy walks in the tent completely bollock naked <laughs> and he comes in and he sees me right and he's like who the fuck are you <laughs> <laughs> And he's completely bald naked, and I'm like, uh, I'm, 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 I'm private. You're a corporal. And he's like, fucking, absolutely swinging his fucking, he's a, uh, oh no, swinging his dick about, and he's like, right, well, I'm at the back, fucking sunbathing, sunbathing. Get yourself sorted, um, get your kit fucking set out. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, at this time, I'm like, fucking hell, what is going on here? But I'm like, trying to find a bed, trying to find a cot bed, like out the back of tents and that. And I, and anyway, I end up getting moved into Paul Winnessy's section and he's like he like kind of brought me under his fucking wing and looked after me and like give me the yeah, guidance I, I was at depot where he's, he's, he's a good he's a good lad for squaring people away yeah he kind of gave me the guidance that I needed as a fucking butt fuck like nice intro to the battalion never mind your button yeah. so how, how how was uh how was that tour for you as a, a sniper were you still attached to the wreck at that time or were you independent yeah. My tour was kind of like in two phases. The first, I think it was like the first third of the tour, fortunately, the first three months maybe. I was with the recce and we are working from Jackals. Uh, we are working quite closely with the FSG. Yeah. Um, supporting like Alpha and Bravo Company. Wherever they were. And obviously we were going out a day before or whatever and the minis were landing and we'd be there for uh, QRF fire support or, or whatever. I can't remember doing any actual... Recce jobs, you know, in terms of like getting there 24 hours before and have an overwatch or things like that. Because it's Afghan, as soon as you go out the gate, everyone knows where you are. If anyone needs recce, it's done from here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I remember, I remember our first, the first contact I was in, I was in a, I've never been snapped because I was, I ended up being a driver at first for, for a jackal. Oh, right. So I wasn't meant to be a driver, I was meant to be obviously like a sniper with, with them, giving them that sort of asset. But a couple of their drivers had piled in, and I'd done the, the Jackal course so that um, as, as a backup, basically. But I ended up driving, and I mind the first contact of getting shot at. I'm like, fucking hell, that, that sounds like what it sounds like on the range. You know, when you're on the bus party, and you hear the, the crack snaps. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. Someone's like, fucking contact. I'm like, what? Is that, is that, what? This is, this is a contact. So <laughs> we were in like a, we were in a deserty type area, dash sort of area, and the contact was, it was like an interface to like green zone. So I just mind all the, I think the Ricky and the FSG were there. So there was like 10, 15 jackals and every one of them turned on its side so the GPMG from the commander could face the contact and the 
every second wagon it was either HMG, GMG, HMG, GMG. And I mind these 10, 15 wagons just turned, turned about and faced and just lit up this fucking, this wood line. Just absolutely tore this fucking thing to pieces. It, it was absolutely insane. Um, we fired RP, I'm sure the RPG skidded either under the wag, one of the wagons next to us or between it and exploded behind us or like skidding along the floor. Yeah. Um, our antenna got shot off. You know, the antenna behind my fucking seat. Yeah. Fucking shot off in half high. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know. You know, it was that fucking loud because Brucey was on the GMG giving it big licks. Um, but I was like, I had my sniper rifle behind my seat, so I just fucking. I was, that's how I was cutting about. I just, I just pulled the rifle out from my seat, put it on the dashboard, mate, and I was firing at firing points. Eh? <laughs> fucking absolutely insane. Yeah, in that position, so, uh, did you have a HMG in your wagon? Yeah. Uh, Brucey, so Brucey fired off two two full boxes. Now I can't, I can't don't quote me on how many HMGs in a box. Uh-huh. He fired off two full boxes. I is that a hundred in a box? Yeah. Right, so he got two hundred off me. And bear in mind, every second wagon was a was a grenade machine gun or a heavy machine gun. This fucking woodblock mate got absolutely spanked. Like oh, it was insane. Man. I just made it adrenaline after. I was like, fucking hell. I'm sure somebody called stop, 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 and couldn't get us to stop firing. <laughs> I'm sure it's like I'm sure it was That's like right. somebody that wasn't in the fire line was like stop. But it was the CO. The CO was kind of in his jackal. I'm sure that I'm sure the CO had something to do with that. Your um, was the barrel above your head or was it off the side or what? The for the GMG. The HMG. So that it was so it was a GMG on our wagon. Right. Okay. Um, That's so that, that I see the HMG. Yeah, no, that was off to the side. Right. That was off. Yeah, so I canted the wagon so that so that the commander who was to my left was at the contact. I remember uh, I remember being in the commander seat when I was doing pre-deployment for uh, Herrick 15 and being on the live fire ranges and we were doing obviously platform shoots. Um, the boy who was doing the shoot was on a HMG and I was in the commander seat just sort of fucking giving fire controllers or whatever. Mate, the first two rounds, mate, went went over my head, and I'm like, Jesus fucking crap. Yeah. I was fucking like, wake up. Oh. immediately deafened. Immediately. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? I jump out my seat, mate, and fucking ran right round to the side of the wagon. I'm like, I'm not fucking. It'll scared. rattle your head, eh? It'll, it'll, it'll rattle your head inside your helmet. Like, it's mate, just like getting punched from a Tyson. It fucked me. Um, because that, that barrel's obviously very long, mate. Literally ends mm. right above the driver commander seat if you if it's pointing forward there. Uh, yeah, aye. You were very careful to. I think the commander was very careful to tell the gunner not to fire if it was at that angle, <laughs> just for his own safety. Like, yeah. um, aye, so that was the uh, that was the opposite. Pumez was it? Pumez got shot in the arm. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, no, this might be before you deployed. Actually. Yeah, I was there. That happened before I got there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that one. It, we actually, I think we. Some of the snipers got kills. I think that was the first kills we got. Oh, really? One, one of the lads between got a kill with a GPMG that, that, on that contact. Huh? Um, yeah, so it was, that's kind of where, the, where, the, where it all started. Huh? Um, right, so you're there with the recce, right? And I know the recce were doing BRF. Is that is that who you're with? Yeah, so... Yeah. No, so the BRF, the BRF got selected before we deployed and they did BRF training and deployed as like a separate entity. Right. Mm-hmm. I know they were in some pretty uh, hairy, nasty stuff as well, which probably doesn't get talked about um, as much as it should, to be honest. No. But I know they were in some um, 
some pretty nasty things. There was, I think it was an ID strike on one, one of the lads and that uh, mm. hurt his back quite severely. But they, yeah, they, I think they were just going into the Badlands and just waiting for contact, kind of like what we were doing in the end uh, with the air ops, but they were doing it from vehicles. Yeah, I probably need Aye, to get one of those boys, maybe Shark or something like that. But, um, yeah, more so, so that how was that first phase then? Was that like less engaging or...? I'm trying to hang back because, see that tour, it just all merges into one fucking big contact, if you know what I mean. It just merges into one like, it's hard to define different ops. I, mean, I, don't, I, I think it wasn't until I actually went with Alpha and Bravo Company. Um, on foot that it got proper intense for me, the kinetic. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so I moved I moved from the jackal, uh, from the recce back into the platoon, the same platoon, a couple of months in, yeah. And then I started doing, we did do stuff on foot before that, but that's when it started, in my mind anyway, it started to feel like it was, that was the, some of the more kinetic ops. All right. And then, but when was when was Claw? I think that was June or July. Panthers Claw would probably be in the start of July, I was thinking. <clears throat> yeah. So I remember it seems to be everything to the right of Panthers Claw is what I remember. Never into the left, it's just sort of one like sort of big up. Yeah. Mate, every, everything I've experienced that every I went on maybe I don't know, maybe two ops out of like I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, maybe twenty. I don't know, maybe not twenty. Yeah, probably 20, maybe two ops at like 20, maybe two or three ops at 20 that I never had any contact and those, I guess, what, 17, 18 that we did have contact was fucking crazy, you know? It wasn't just mm-hmm. like we were getting a shooting scoot, it was like full on... Um, like sustained, sustained contact. Sustained contact, like full on warfare, mate. Um, I remember, I remember like, um, sorry, go on. Yeah, sorry, uh, I was kind of lucky because I was in the... I was in the search section, so I was never. I mean, I was on the fucking the the front end of it. Like I've gone a bunch of contacts myself, but being in the search section, we were always, or not always, we were mostly inside the inner cordon of the company. Yeah. So we had two platoons who were providing a cordon around us to conduct the main effort of the op sort of thing. So although we never seen that we're never involved in as much contact as five and six platoon we were doing most of the work i would say um, yeah so it kind of balanced out like that but <clears throat> would you change it if you could would you would you change your role or would you happy with that no not at all no because um the stuff that i was actually getting to do like i got i was in my fucking fair share of contacts like loads um the very first day i landed on panther's claw i was put on a roof and i was about six hours in i was already engaging cunts like that's how fucking yeah. that's that's how it was it was just fucking nuts <laughs> uh well and i had the, the lmg so it was like we had this more bike coming towards us and it's like uh like we'd given we've been given all this and, and we've been to orders and like i'm now on this on this roof and i'm looking towards this compound of interest that we'd been told was like hard when you know, um, like Taliban, uh, platoon strength Taliban. This is their fucking um, sort of HQ, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And I'm on this roof and I'm looking towards that out to the west. Um, and there's a bunch of motorbikes going left and right and all over coming out of the compound. 
And anyway, one one ends up coming towards uh, along east east along the Nez, uh, Nev Canal, Nez Canal, uh, towards the Nev, the Nev. Nev Canal. Yeah, what what is now um, towards what is now or was Fob Wahid. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm on the roof in a, in a hasty platoon house, if you want to call it that. And I get on the PRR, I was like, look, I've got a, a motorbike coming towards me. <clears throat> and it's like, right, where's it come from? I get back on, I'm like, it came from that company of interest, uh, the HQ. And they're like, right, well, don't let it get any closer. I'm like, <laughs> I've been on the ground six how, hours. How do like, I do that? Oh, you know, I've got an L&D up here. <laughs> I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, what did I fucking do? So, anyway, um, take the safety catch off and just do a, a, bit, a bit of a big five, five, six round burst, probably about 100 meters in front of the front of the motorbike, and it did yeah. and keeps coming. So then I'm like, right, he's fucking, and I'm, and my heart's racing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, like this is it. So I actually start, I actually aim for him this t- the second time, and for the fucking grace of god i completely missed but uh, he mm-hmm. turned around and fucked off and i don't know if it was a suicide bomber or not but you know at the time i'm not taking any chances you know uh, i mean the locals aren't stupid when there's some when there's operations going on if you're not do you know what i mean if, you, if you're not a baddie there's, there's very few civilians stick about yeah especially driving motorbikes towards isaf and the thing is speed, on so. that arc we landed with maybe it must have been about must have been about six or eight Chinooks in that uh, wadi, and then mm-hmm. we took immediately. So it was like, right, they know that we're here. It's not as if they don't know where we are. Everyone knows exactly where we are. So like, if you're coming towards us at a mo- on a motorbike at speed, it's like, as a fucking brand new Something guy, brand soldier, and I'm being told, right, don't let them get any closer. Like, what else am I meant to do? But, well, it's, a, it's a big decision to make, isn't it? You know what I mean? That inexperience, that age... 100% man. you know I was, yeah. I'd been out of training less, like just over a month and now this is it for real like I'm engaging fucking real real life targets it's like Jesus Christ but anyway fucking done it and then like uh, Paul came up and he's like uh, right talking through what happened blah 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 and, uh, and he's like look mate fucking brilliant effort that's exactly what you should be doing if you've got any questions like just don't hesitate to fucking mm-hmm. ask me if you need any help and any like tasty times just get straight on on the PRR to be you know, so. Did that give you the confidence? And from there, mate, from it, uh, yeah, from there, mate, that was just like that's what that's what you need from your uh, search commander. Like it just gave me like a hundred percent confidence to be like, right, fucking hell, I'm I'm actually here to as part of part of this fucking operation rather than just being a sandbag. If you know what I mean, just like yeah, just carrying know. a blue ECM. Yeah. Well, I got lucky. He gave me the LNG and I never had to carry an ECM, so. <clears throat> but he, he did give me a fucking Viper to put on my LNG. <laughs> you know mate. It's an extra kit. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah, it. Let's get back to sniping then. One of the things I always remember uh, is the snipers rocking up and they never had any helmets on, baseball caps backwards, and then being told... <laughs> get your fucking helmet on, get off the roof. The point I'm getting at is, as a trained fucking sniper, how much freedom were you given? And how much should you have been given? So I cannot complain at all with the chain of command. And if I did have a complaint, I probably wouldn't do it on these beans. But 
we were given as much freedom as, as we really needed and can justify it. As long as we could justify um, what we were seeing, what we were doing, the reasons, because we were getting dropped off places. It's fucking 40, 50 degrees. We're getting into a compound for daylight. This, the first thing that happens is we're over. So every, every, every fucker knows we're there. The snipers are going on the roof. We're sometimes up there in the, in the heat all fucking day. And we're not up there smoking fags. We're up there observing. Like and fucking looking for firing points, we're, we're ranging everything. We're giving ground briefs. Do you know what I mean? Um, bringing air assets on, and you cannot. And obviously your profile as well. If you had a helmet on, especially the helmets we're men, but fucking, it just give. You, know, you just couldn't. You just couldn't sustain. But basically, a, a furnace cooker on for all that time. And obviously, we have baseball cap as well. It does. It helps. Obviously, shield the sun for the scope. Or whatever sighting system you're looking through. Um, so there was justification for that, and we were given we were given freedom with the rules engagement um, as well because it was needed. Then there was fucking there was enemy everywhere, and we could the thing is we could see the enemy. Like it was it's hard to explain to maybe the platoon commander inside the compound or somebody on the net what we we actually we've got a times forty spotting scope and we can fucking see enemy moving left right. We can see weapons. We, so we were right in getting the four two nine rules and get four two nine alpha rules engagement um because I reckon we we definitely saved ISAF and British or A and A lives um by engaging them first and taking the fight to them and it puts them on the back foot. My my per, my personal uh, experience is that not only on my first tour but also on the second tour did I see even more so. Snipers would volunteer them their their time, and they would be up there eight, seven, nine, five hours at a time, just parading. And it's not because yeah. they have to. They could easily just put a jock up there with a fucking rifle. They don't have to be up there. But you know, if you're with, by the platoon, if you're attached to a platoon. If a sniper was attached to my platoon, not once did I ever see him. You know, when it was when it was downtime for us, that once did I ever see him sitting there for fucking any any more than it, like, let's say two hours or something like that, either no. getting the head down or just fucking mauling it. It was always it just fucking rude. It just wouldn't have happened. Eh? Like I'm not here to shag anybody's arse, but the that platoon at that time, I've got nothing but respect for every man in in that sniper platoon. Like not one of them was lazy. Like you say, as soon as we got the opportunity to provide to do anything of value, like we were up there, we were yeah. up on the roof exposing ourselves, and it's you know every time you got contacted, this the sentry on the roof always got contacted, and there was always a sniper up there. Yeah. When obviously when we were deployed, um, but I can't I can't put anyone in that platoon at fault. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure it's yeah, a hundred percent. I'm sure it's twofold as well because. You're on patrol, let's say you're on patrol with a, a, a rifle platoon, right? As it, You're there with a sniper rifle. You can't do anything. And so I don't, I'm only talking from what, I'm, what I can assume, right? So you're on patrol with a, with a rifle platoon. You get inside a compound and you, you're thinking to yourself, right, well, I've done fuck all for the past two hours, two, three hours. Let me get on the fucking roof and let me provide some overwatch. Let me get yeah, to work. Yeah, you're just keen to get, yeah, 100% work. Um, because a, a sniper on patrol is is useful 
But in terms of scanning, uh, you know what I mean? You, you have to sort of go firm first before you can set. You know, you have, there's an element of setting up. Uh-huh. You know, you're not going to RTR or, or anything like that. And obviously, we need the platoons to get us from A to B. And once we're in that location, do you know what I mean? If we were, we were straight up there, straight in, when the contacts were coming in, nine times out of ten, we were on the roof. Yeah. Um, and taking it. But which is why we were so successful. Which is why I'm not I'm not gonna say the amount of kills we got, but it was a fucking lot. Like force multiplier, that term can definitely be applied to the same same platoon on that on that yeah. um on that headache. Like we fucking killed a lot of bad people and for what I, I know every single one of those killed was legal and, and justified and the guys fucking grafted for grafted to provide that. There was no, there was no just rocking up to a fire position, firing up a shot, and and away you go. But I mean, different ops doing it was some, some were more successful than others. There was times that I was on a roof for hours and hours, for a couple of days, and and nothing happened. And there was times when um, coordinated shoot. We did a coordinated shoot. Um, down was it? You know, we went to Fob Dwyer. Yeah. The U.S. Marines. Yeah. Was that was that Garcia we were in when we deployed that up? Uh, that I cannot remember, but Garcia. Yeah, I can't remember. Out. Bob Dwyer was in, in the very very south of uh, Hellman. Yeah, I can't remember Marine. where we were. It was a U.S. Marine. But we got. Yeah, it was a Marine Fob, by Marine Fob, and we did a basically a battalion up. I remember, and the battalion. So the group of compounds we were in were basically like a horseshoe, if you imagine. Mm-hmm. And then there was a sniper section. It was me and another pair. We're in a sort of one end of the horseshoe. And the compounds went all the way along to the other end. And there was a bit of dead ground in between. It was 600 meters or something. And I combined, I was with Alpha Company and Bravo Company with the other side. And I'm sure they dropped a 500 pound bomb. It didn't go off. It was, um, that's, so they had to send a. Yeah, that's correct. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I'm sure B Company sent a, a BDA, a, like a, a patrol, basically, to assess situation and basically get the bomb destroyed otherwise the Taliban will use it against us. Um so anyway, I remember that we actually got a coordinated shooting up, which is like the pinnacle of what a sniper trains for. When B company foot of the patrol to go and see go and check out that five hundred pounder that had went off. We were watching a guy on um and he had his DICOM radio, which is basically a fucking handset radio that the Taliban uses with a massive fucking antenna. We were watching this guy for like Good amount of time anyway. And nobody in that area was just walking about the road on a fucking radio. You know, it's, it's sketchy. But anyway, we let we let it time run, see what happened. And out of fucking nowhere, like about eight, ten of his pals turned up. One of them had a fucking carpet over his shoulder, a big long carpet, straight where you're thinking, well, I don't think anybody's redecorating their house. Do, do you know what I mean? There's, there's something in that fucking carpet. Yeah. And then they started walking up the road towards um, the B Company, and then all these civvies appeared behind them, sort of like kind of cheering them on. It was like some sort of fucking mate. The thing about it now is surreal. It was like some sort of fucking passing parade for for insurgents. <laughs> so we were fucking we were watching these this enemy move up the road and, and fucking like disbelief, like what the they obviously had they had no idea we were there. They thought they were, it was just B Company that were up on the other side and they were just patrolling towards them. So anyway, civvies sort of like cheered them off type thing. They went up the road and we basically did a coordinated shoot on them. We had, I think we only had, we had two or three rifles with two pairs. And um, aye, 
that was fucking, you know, like standby, standby, fire. Um, I think we dropped two instantly. I'm a, I got two kills within about three seconds because it was the same shot, the guy that, um, the first guy that I dropped. And when somebody gets shot, they don't go fucking flying about that. It's like um, like a crash test stomach, you know, like somebody's just turned the lights off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just crumple, eh? And I ain't seen him crumple. I was like, right, that's one engagement. Um, put the next round in the chamber. And another, the other guy was right behind him. Boom. Second one. I think the sniper's on the, the, the roof to the right of me. They got another two or three. And then more bikes started coming in uh, with more enemy. And I managed, fuck those how I'd done this. I managed to shoot the guy off a bike. Uh, there, was, there was two of them on it. I managed to shoot one off the bike. And then the fucking Kazibags came in within about a minute. They had fucking trucks in. Just Obviously, we didn't engage anyone doing the Kazibags. But there, there was just guys without weapons just chucking these enemy fighters on these fucking trucks. And off they went. Yeah. And that was all, that was all over in the space of like three, four minutes. Just said, like, fucking hell. That was insane. But, you know, we did good work that day because they were going up to engage B Company and they had fucking PKMs and RPKs, they had AKs, RPGs, a lot. Yeah. I mean, so um, obviously I, I was in B Company at the time and <clears throat> my platoon took the whole lead in that, the, that whole operation. Um, yeah. It was to clear the bazaar, if you can remember. Yeah. So... We were clearing the bazaar, and when we got to the bazaar, we had obviously had a cordon out, five and six platoon were providing uh, the cordon around us. Um, and when we got to the bazaar, there was not a single fucking person. Nobody. You like, know, this, you know what's going off. whole village. So our, our section was the search section, so it was our job to like open every single shutter of, the, of each individual shop or whatever it was. So we'd have to yeah. cut the bolt or the deadlock or whatever, lift the shutter, and then like essentially just clear the fucking room behind it. Um, but I can remember at the time it was so fucking tense because it was like, right, we have like two hundred buildings to clear here. What's the chance? What's the chances that one of them isn't? What's the chances that one of them is going to be fucking IED? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, so we were like. Uh, Every single one that we, we, we snipped, it was like, right. It could be because, like, if you've got 200 to clear, that you, you can't take 80 in there and just make 80 clear them all. And you can't yeah. use reach charge. It would take a year, that. What's that? It would take a year. Yeah, exactly. And, like, we, we couldn't use any breach charges because, like, one, you just weren't going to be given them. And two, it was just, like, you know, unwarranted. There was no real... Um, uh, intelligence to say that all these buildings would be ID'd and luckily enough we opened them about 90% of them and we never hit anything but there were IDs in that area the marines were telling us that they'd been patrolling there time and time and time again and there was IDs in shops and doorways and uh, and pathways and all sorts and we were very very lucky not to hit any maybe that 10% that we missed that we never opened that Maybe one of them was ID'd, I we'll never know, but at the time, we were going up and down that fucking bazaar, we were opening up these shops, and every one, I can remember of me myself, every single time it was like, you know what I mean, just like, biting your fucking teeth, you're like grinding your yeah, teeth. Yeah, waiting for it to go off. Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, sort of thing. Yeah, but. A lottery of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we got lucky, and then we ended up man- managing to get a bunch of uh, um, ID components, um, Legacy warheads, um, HME, 
you know a good a good bunch of stuff off the ground like and yeah we the marines were happy weren't they the marines were pretty fucking happy with massively happy yeah and um yeah like five and six platoon who were providing the cordon they were non-stop in contact which shows you how valuable that bazaar mm-hmm. was for Mataban, i guess so that's what i was looking at from across the dead ground but i was looking at the bazaar and then use were to my right sort of and then i I could see the sort of ingress routes for the enemy. All right. Yeah, that's, that's fucking different mad. perspective on the same. I'm saying like, I, 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 like we were all on the exact same tour, right? But every single person's tour is so and I, massive. I, mean, I bet you didn't even know that we did a coordinated shoot. I bet there was that much yeah. shit going on, mate. I bet you didn't even get fucking told. Not at all, mate. Never even yeah. ever since now until now. Because <laughs> uh, it's not something I talk about all the. You know, you know just. Say, all right, mate. Oh, by the way, we did this or did that. It's not something you talk about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we actually, we actually see that night. We actually, I was sitting there on the roof as you know, because I was staying up there all, all day. And as the sun was going down, it was a big gathering on the on the fucking hills, far like just beyond where the bazaar was. And um, I was like, all right, it's locals gathering. You know, it might be more guys forming up the same way they did earlier to go to watch B Company. And the terp came and was like, no, no, they're they're burying the dead. I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? He's like, that's the guy she's, he's uh, engaged early. I was like, what the fuck? They're fucking sitting there on a rooftop, mate, sun going down, smoking a, a round. Do you know what I mean? Just watching these people get buried, they were just engaged. Just like, what the fuck? Fucking hell. insane. Yeah. Um, it's insane. That's mad. Here, do you remember, um, I don't know if you were, who were you with? Were you with Bravo Company on that op, like when you were uh, at nights, for instance? See, I, I went between the companies. I think I was mostly A company, but I sort of went between. I mind that Op Civil was, was on about when all the hellfires came down. I was on the ground. I think I was with A company. And he was saying, um, yeah, we got the choppers and then all the uh, all the hellfires just started coming down like fucking, it was like something like a fucking disaster film, you know, like an end of the world thing, like fucking yeah. meteors just whooshing down. Um, I think, yeah, I think that was me that was saying that. Like, um, we landed in a legacy minefield, and I was like, I just ah, yeah. up and I'm like, got off. Like, once all the, the brown out settled down, I'm looking, and all I can see is Apache's fucking firing hellfires left, right, and center, 30 mil HE being fired in. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what's going yeah. on? And I actually watched the footage uh, after that as well, after it was, it was said. See all the, I'd seen it before, eh, all the Taliban running away, and how close we were. We were. Fucking in the field right next to them. hundred percent, mate. Seen them all running away. I, I could just mind all the, the missiles coming just from the sky and just thinking, what the fuck? I hope my fucking little IR beam on my helmet's working. Yeah. That same op we had, um, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but um, I think they're called Cobras. They were like... Um, oh, yeah. That's the marine version of the patch, isn't it? They were like desert-coloured. Yeah, I mind them, I. Yeah, and they were... Fu- like, we had one that came in. It must have been about... I don't know, 20 metres off the ground, 30 metres off the ground, it fired a hellfire from, <laughs> from uh, the flank of us, about 30 metres off the ground, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, what the fuck? That was on that pilots, Respect for some of those pilots, like, we fucking pushed the boundaries. Yeah. I've seen pilots, and um, it was one of the last ops you done, you remember that, um, I think it was SFSG or Hereford, their tunic went down, we went out to do a cordon on it. That was Alpha Company, I, I wasn't there. Was it? So th- we got dropped off, mate, and it, the um, these blokes, whoever they were, anyway, we're on. A, we tabbed up up the hill to go and um, 
take up this position of Overwatch. And it was like fucking somebody had just spewed Ali all over the home, you know, like fucking DeMarcos and Crikey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they were happy to see a free free there. They were like, fucking hell, decent sniper weapon, great. But the whole point of me saying this was there was a little um, group of compounds. It was like a little oasis, mate, just off of Sangin Valley in the middle of some fucking, like a valley that comes off Sangin. And basically the, the, the Canadian chopper, like a little bubble helicopter or something, I don't know what, what it was, but it fired off all its um, munitions. And the pilot was hanging out the fucking cockpit mate firing his AR-15 or whatever. Jesus Christ. Down at, yeah, down at the fucking village. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, he's going to extract me. Nah, nah, he, nah, he was fucking firing at the window. Mate, some, of the shit, some of the shit you see when you're fucking on tour is insane, man. Yeah. Spend the time, we're just like, oh, that's fucking quality. But when you think about it, you're like, fucking hell. Well, I came back, mate, and like my memory is terrible. People were asking me, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't really remember that much. I don't really remember that much. And like, yeah. my, one of my main motivations for doing this podcast is literally just to like stoke the fire and, you know, you know, stop, like get my brain ticking again and try and like bring these, bring these memories out because. <clears throat> from that's good. It definitely, it definitely does that. I, I'm the same. That's why I came on, just because of it. If anybody gets it in from us two talking shite for however long, just a yeah. bit of morale, man. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like this, I know for a fact somebody's going to get a wee bit of morale. Yeah. Um, but like uh, I had, I had fucking shit because I, I took out a like a waterproof camera, like a digital camera at the time, and I had a mm. shit ton of photos, man. Like I'm talking a shit ton. And if you can remember, the battalion would ask, uh, um, um, before they'd done an after-action review, if guys could hand in photos and stuff like that, and like any intelligence they got. So I remember one time <coughs> I handed in my SD card with all my photos on it, and like the battalion would take the photos off and like you know delete the ones that I wasn't meant to have, yeah. and keep the ones that I should have, and you know all this oh, sort of stuff. Coming. Okay. I know what's coming. Uh, well, yeah, but um, so they delete. They obviously deleted the ones that I shouldn't have had. But what happened was I completely forgot that they had that SD card, and I went away and I, f- I fucking left it with them. And then before I know it, I'm like, I'm fucking missing what, what must be about a thousand photos um, from a couple. Things of you won't remember. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like that's my that's my main trigger for, to like to remember stuff. So I've got stuff from the start, and I'm missing about two or three months in the middle, and then I've got like a two or three months at the end. So it's like Jesus, I'm missing so much of shit. But I've got it all backed up like um, on Dropbox now. So um, I, all I need I to do is back back at a photo and, rem- and like I'm instantly straight back in there, and I can remember exactly what was going on at the, at the exact time. But talking to people who have been there and who are doing different things at, at the same time it's just been great for like stoke, restoking the, like my memory you know putting the pieces of the puzzle together to, yeah just a different <laughs> aspect eh? like I was speaking to Tommy Brady the, the other day and like me and Tommy were on a roof we were going to be fob with Heed earlier on that, that actual Afghan boy we Heed me and Tommy literally were seeing him get blown up in front of our eyes oh really we were on like a, we were on like a roof that had been hit with an airstrike this was in um Right next to where Fogwood is, obviously, because that's really that's where unfortunately got killed. But we were on a roof, and there was uh, remember there was a one Scots platoon attached to us. Yes, A company they were I'll attached to. They had them, yeah. Mm. So one of their lads was bringing in these two A and A guys up this track that 
but it's already been walked up and down five, ten times. And um, the one Scott screw comes through, and I'm standing there looking next to Tommy, and I'm like, all right, mate. He's like, all right. The next Afghan guy comes through. I'm like, all right. He's like, salam or whatever he says. The next guy, that was Wahid. He looked like, I'm just waiting to say all right to him, looking at him. And then fucking it just went, boom, like, poof, like, and we sort of got blown, I wouldn't say we got blown away, I just got knocked over a bit, eh? and it was just fucking pure dust, and I can just mind that this fucking DOS, he had his DOS bag in his, on his Bergen, uh-huh. and it was like fluff, mate, it was like snow, just fluff, just fucking coming uh-huh. down everywhere. Uh-huh. I was like, what the fuck? And then I just looked down in the grass, and it was, you could see his thigh bone, like his femur, like, just moving in the grass. Yeah, and uh, there was a, I think it was a female medic that had went down and tried to save his life, but he was he was gone. Like, yeah, but he was actually fucking. Do you know what I mean? He was like looking at us when he got blown up. He was like, what? The fucking insane, me. Yeah, but these are these are the things that it's never affected me at all. I don't know if I feel guilty for that or not, but it's not really affected <laughs> me in the slightest. Yeah, some. Um, I mean, it's, but it's, I mean, it's not until you speak to people and talk about it again that you're like, oh yeah, some some guy got blown up in front of me. Yeah, it's not like a, <laughs> it's not a case of like right. I'm fucking. I'm just. I can just deal with this, or I can't. Or it's it's literally just genetics. Like you either can deal with it or you can't. There's, there's no. There's yeah, I don't no, think it makes you. It's not if you're strong or weak or anything. Yeah. I don't know what it is. That's 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 the point I was trying to I'm trying to make. Yeah. It's, it's not like by you being not affected doesn't make you a fucking hard man or anything like that or by you being affected by it, it doesn't make you a pussy. It just means that you're yeah. genetically, your body is reacting differently to someone else. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, it's just your brain firing different hormones and all that. It's crazy. It's crazy how the human, human mind works. Like. Yeah. But that was the same day. That was the, that was the day when um, the Taliban did a platoon attack on uh, that platoon. Yeah, so were you with Afcom the other time, were you? Must, I must have been. They were, the ones that had, been. They, they were the ones that had the attack on them, I guess. Yeah, that was fucking insane. That was suicide. That was that was suicide by what an attack the Taliban. So what like, what do you remember of that then? So I, I'd actually been moved. I'd been moved further to the, to the east or west along along the canal, um, to the with the one Scots platoon more. And it was a, we called it the Alamo. I'm only calling it the Alamo because somebody sprayed the Alamo on the wall there. So I'd I'd moved there because we were expecting to get hit for the flag. We weren't expecting the Taliban to do a full frontal on the on the basically the call sign that was in the centre of the company. If I can just mind looking across and just seeing fucking rounds, you know, when you're on a range and the round floats down the range, just pings up in the air like rapid style. Yeah. You can see the tracer, you just see it going down and pinging up. It was just fucking tracer and explosions going off. Fucking, it just didn't save me. It was just, uh, it was like, you know, when you're in, on the range at night and it's like a fucking night shooting, it's like rapid fire and everyone's got their LNGs going to go and there's just tracer winging about. And, well, you, you know what, you know what that there was? What, what, range that was that was an, a section in defense at dusk 100 percent. that's, that's exactly what i was trying platoon, to say yeah platoon in defense at dusk that's what that range was but with real targets and obviously there was air assets getting called in as well um aye i, I still can't believe they fucking the taliban actually launched that assault to be honest <laughs> they, they were well, they tried insane yeah Insane, mate. Yeah. Um, I, I was in the flank. Actually, yeah, we were out on the flank. We'd, we were getting contacted in the morning on the flank um, where we were, but it was nothing to what happened that night. That's when I, I actually got a, a kill that morning. I shot a, somebody videoed it. They videoed me on the roof 
and the PKM gunner <laughs> fired at me the same time I fired at him. <laughs> um, I can just mind, he's pop, he, he made the age of mistake, he popped up in the same place twice. So, whatever. So, anyway, I was like, I didn't know if I'd got him or not. I was like, okay, right, well, fresh new tries, he's no came back. And then we just seen him, um, they put him on a donkey, you know, like a fucking little scraggly donkey. Yeah. Uh, put him over the top of that, mate, and whacked the donkey's arse, whatever, and then off he went doing the, doing the fucking neb. Jesus fuck. Whatever, right? I was like, what the yeah. fuck? That's, I tell you I what. I think we'd had the, we had them trapped behind those compounds, eh? Yeah. Sorry, mate, go on. I tell you what, like, um, people who have... So I've got mates who are a bunch of, like, in different, different um, assets of the military, let's say Marines or different units in the UK who maybe have not deployed, on Afghan, uh, deployed to Afghan or maybe deployed to Afghan and haven't actually really done anything. And like when they talk to me about Afghan, I, I can't, I cannot relate to anything other than that that time. Being in Wahid, being on all Panchai Palang, that was mm. fucking full on war fighting. And the, the fucking funny thing is, right, you rarely ever see a fucking enemy dead. No. And that goes Very back to that really. last point you said there that. Everyone around them will just fucking casy back them and just get them on a donkey or get them on a motorbike or get them in a car and just fuck them out of there. I don't know if it's because you know they know that in their faith they need to get buried the same day. Maybe I don't yeah. know if they're in I don't I mean, because that was us and it was a and it was somebody that was T4 or, or KIA if you know if you're allowed to confirm that they were that they were dead. Then they would get held in situ until the next move. Uh, yeah, I mean you try, but like you would try, but if you if it was like if it was like let's say a section of you and you're fucking getting absolutely hammered by a platoon, you'd just be like, right, fuck it, just we'll have to leave him and we'll come back from or we'll, we'll try and come back from or whatever. Like, like, but these cunts are just, just their casual back is insane because they've not got kit and shit like that, and they're just, I guess they're just a fucking. An empty sack at that time. <laughs> Guess it's easy to move. It'll, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting one day in the future. You know, like thirty or forty years time. If there's ever a time, you know, you see these old like Vietnam veterans sit down and talk to like a Viet Cong, talks to like a US Marine or something. I wonder if they'll ever reach a stage where like some boy for Herrick Ten or whatever any Herrick actually sits down with a tel- you know with a Taliban and talks about how they used to try and fucking boy them up and. Yeah, I, don't I just know. can't ever see again. I don't know, because, mate, I'm ten years on, and like if I like, the, there's this Taliban cunt who's now being given uh, residence in the UK, and I, I can't feel anything other than just sheer embarrassment, anger, uh, uh, anger yeah. and sheer embarrassment from my country. You know, it's like how is this even fucking possible? Like it's an absolute disgrace. But um, yeah, anyway, we'll get, sit well. no, let, let's get off that fucking uh, topic and we'll talk about uh, snipers' uh, recognition, let me say, for lack of a better word, on that tour. How do you feel that the force multiplication that the snipers provided for the, the battalion and obviously ISAF at the time, how do you feel that was recognised at the time, and then in subsequent years following, do you think there's any impact that happened to the platoon? One of the guys got a gallantry award, um, 
which he was deserving of. And the guy I'm talking about was a fucking operator in the field. He just had his dramas in camp. He's out now. Um, so somebody did get a gallantry award. Um, I feel, yeah, I, feel, I don't think anyone was looking for recognition, but to be honest, we had a, we had that kind of attitude that we were important. You know, like I'm trying to find the, the word. Um, we felt important. We felt like we were providing Valued. something really useful. Yeah. Valued so we didn't, yeah, we didn't really need anybody to pat us on the back because after every op, because of the nature of what we were doing, and I've, basically we were we were getting kills every single op, and um, we were coming back in, and when we were doing the um, hollow square, everyone clean weapons and whatnot, we were getting taken away to the padre. We'd sit down with the padre, and send somebody, some runner would get sent to Pizza Hut in Kandahar or whatever, you know what I mean, to the American bit to get us some good scoff. And um, we'd sit down with the padre, and he just says, "Everyone, all right, lads? Like, what's happened on this op or anything?" And, so from straight from that tour from the get go, we were you know, people were thinking about us, what we were going through psychologically that might have been different. Now I don't think we were going through anything that was harder than say the lead guy with the valon. Maybe maybe less, but I, I don't know. It just it just depends how you yeah. you look at things at the end of the day when you get back. I used to whenever whenever I was on the roof all day, I used to come. I used to have an iPod shuffle. I mind it used to go down. Into some room in a compound overnight and just sit and listen to tunes of iPod shuffle and smoke a fag, and then that was me happy. Yeah, ready to go again the next day. Like, nothing never seemed to affect me or, or really any of the guys. Yeah, I was the exact but, same. I had an iPod shuffle as well, and I'd just like anytime mm-hmm. we were getting some downtime, would be headphones in, iPod shuffling, and just yeah, kind of zone out, kind of yeah, zone out and take yourself away from the situation. Um, not not meaning I'd never write, I'd, I'd never write a bluey, remember writing blueys letters, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd never not blue on like that. fucking overburdened by the stress or anything like that, but literally just like you've been patrolling for fucking six, seven hours. All you want to do is just chill the fuck out. You want your own space, like get some music on and just fucking zone out, sort of yeah. thing. That's all you had. Yeah. But <clears throat> uh, it was fucking. It was really. I'd, I mean, it's one of the hardest times coming down for a roof because that's the only time when you're up there, and that's our operating base and our tour was up on these roofs. Was the day that um, Kevin Gus got killed? I don't know if you were on that op, were you? Or you remember it? That was an Alpha Company operation. No, I wasn't there. I think yeah. we were on. Uh, so, I'm not sure, but I think I was on R and R at the time. Yeah. So I, I actually patrolled into these compounds. I'm sure it was in that alley. I actually patrolled behind Gus, so I was with Gus all morning. But then he moved into one set of compounds, and my sniper pair moved into another set, mm-hmm. and. Um, we knew on the ICOM that they were gonna uh, engage us. The one day that, that I was in the I was in their back pocket with me, I would put my hands up and say that. Um, this is the one day that fucking scared me. Um, basically did a coordinated RPGs on uh, there, was, there was two rooftops basically with with our friendly call signs on. They did coordinated RPG shoot and then basically it was either PKM or, or something like that, basically blast up both roofs at the same time. It just just the way it worked is the RPG actually hit their roof. But the one that fired at mine landed short. I can just, I didn't, I didn't really know what was going on in there. I didn't realise it took so many casualties and and whatnot. I could just hear the, the contacts going on, but I was in contact as well. And I mean, being the RPG went off, and then I was getting absolutely uh, smashed with PKM or something on the roof. There was, I we'd only had one sandbag up at the time, so I was lying in a fucking pencil position behind this sandbag, you know, an, an absolute clip. And I thought, right, yeah. 
it's time, it's time to pull out your big boy pants and, and get up and fucking observe. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't lie by this fucking sandbag to get income in. So I'm in getting up um, with 338. In retrospect, I just put up a site, but I got the rifle up 338, looked through. And I'm just looking across this field, mate, and they put up fucking shiny CD discs all the way along this fucking wall where the contact was, was coming from. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if this was intentional or whatnot, but I just couldn't, could not fucking see anything. Um, so they were fucking away, like. Ah, hundred percent. Yeah, I couldn't see any firing points. I could not see nothing. I, mean, I was scanning, 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 scanning. Could not see. They must have been firing through murder hole, murder hole, murder hole, or something. I have no idea, mate. But I was getting brought, and then I got um. It was an enemy sniper. I won't use the word sniper. They really got me. He's probably like a, a marksman or um something like that. He was firing single shot rounds at me on the roof, and it was absolutely snapping me. He was hitting just below the sandbag I was in on. I was getting down, come back up, but. He's absolutely snapping. He had me in his back pocket that day. I'll admit that. Um, what sort of, ta- then, what sort of like, uh, I guess, anti-sniping tactics do you have for a situation like that, where you're confined <sighs> to, let's say, a compound? Like, like you're not, you won't be able to to go outside of the compound. Like, what could you do at that point? It's, it's hard to say. There was a GPMG general on the roof as well, um, but maybe he had a few more. Sat- he was like in a bit of a divot. And I was just telling him to keep the, the head down. Um, there was only two of us up there, and I feel like he knew that I had a. He definitely knew. He knew that. He knew that I had a, a sniper weapon, and he was trying to get me. But I don't want to say too much to give the game away. But at the same time, basically air access and, and thermal type stuff. If you can't see his fire position, he's squared away. He's definitely trained. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's crazy. There's things you can do afterwards, after the engagement, you can then find out. Um, through different methods for where his firing point was. Um, but in that moment, sometimes that day anyway, I uh, had to fucking suck up, uh, which pains me as well because yeah, of what they've done to, to the lads. Eh? Listen, it's not as if it, it, you know, it's not as if it was a, a shit show of an enemy. Like most of the times it was, but on the other occasion, you may have got a trained guy that was, you know, you might have got a highly trained guy that was coming from Chechnya or fucking one of these places, you know, like, you know, but even still, like, if you know what, we we, we picked up tactics, we picked up tactics from them. We 100% did pick up things that they were doing to us and they were masking the fact they were firing single engagement shots. Uh, I don't want to go too far into that, but we started adopting stuff that they were doing. So I've got, I have got respect for the, Sorry to interrupt there, mate, but I, have, I do have respect for them in that aspect. No, I mean, you have, have to have them. You have, Like, you have to. Like, it's, it's a fucking... An enemy that ended up was, you know, formidable enough to kill a, a lot of fucking British soldiers and American soldiers. Mm. And, you know, God knows how many other nations' soldiers. Um, so it's not as if it was just a fucking walk in the park for us, you know, a trained professional army. Um, no, definitely not. But yeah, it's fucking mad. And I think uh, that's why the later headaches ended up how they did because they realised that that kind of fighting was not sustainable, probably for either side. Yeah, and this is kind of the point I, uh, I've got written down here. It's like <clears throat> you in Afghan, like you you want to do more all the time, but you're fucking constrained so much. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just like, right, how do we operate now if, if we can't operate how we're meant to operate? Like, you don't... That you, courageous restraint. No, 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 I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like engaging anyway. I'm talking about just right. operating. Like you can't move at night. And when it comes to Eric 15, it's like no movement at night. It's like you will operate from this compound. You'll go on a patrol. You will come back to this compound. Um, there's no um, holding ground sort of thing. It's just, it's like if you go out there, you, you dominate the ground for four hours and then you come back into your checkpoint. That ground you've just dominated is gone. It's like, yeah, we're, like how does this work? I don't know how this is going to work. Because um, the, the Taliban were just patrolling, patrolling the same area without when they were patrolling. Yeah, it's just, that ground holding. It's just, um, I think the biggest thing that, the biggest reason that was um, implemented is because one, and it sounds very harsh, the value of life was raised, so the value of uh, human life was raised to such a level that it was unfeasible to lose soldiers uh, back in the UK. I mean, rightly so, you you don't want to lose soldiers, but I think by doing more proactive operations, you might have lost less overall than by just continually just holding one checkpoint and going out on a patrol each day to come back to the same checkpoint to go out and patrol the next day to do the exact same thing for six months. Like, had we maybe used a different tactic, you may have got a fucking different result and probably lost a bunch of guys earlier, but maybe not as much at the end, I don't know, but I really don't know. But the IDs was a massive um, fucking shock to the system for everyone. Yeah, Um, it's... It's the psychological effect as well. I mean, everyone knows it. They know it. IEDs were one of the worst ways that anybody could get injured yeah. or worse killed. Uh, and I know the snipers, uh, a sniper's role there is obviously one of the big roles is to look for people who are in place in IEDs. Did you ever manage to get any eyes on IEDs? Yeah, loads. Really? Yeah, 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 loads. loads. Oh, wow. They were quite blue. They were quite blase about it, to be honest, all the time. Like how far out? How far out would you say? Like, on average, you would see them do that from us. The thing is, a lot of these people, I, I, I fully believe the people that were digging the IEDs weren't the fighters. A lot of them, I think, they were just getting, I don't know, like shells at Bobo, whatever the version of that is for the local shop to go and dig, dig it in. Just that sort of tactical awareness that are, that you observe from. You know, when you're in contact with them, it just wasn't there when they were digging in IEDs a lot of the time. Um, and a lot of the time, we wouldn't engage IED teams that were digging in. We would, we, we did some uh, when it was necessary, but they would, they would uh, air assets would then take over from there and do whatever they needed to do. Uh, so yeah, it's just, I, I don't really the IEDs. We seen IEDs getting dug loads. Loads at night as well, especially when you've got a thermal site and they think they're invisible. I know that they knew that we have night site capability, but I just don't realise, I don't think if they realised how um, effective it was for us to mm-hmm. you know operate at night. It was an absolute game changer, I thought, and we should have done a whole lot more of it. And the only reason that we ended up stopping doing it in Herrick 15 and, you know, and, and after, I guess, maybe Herrick 10, 11, 
is because of the IEDs. Um, but had mm. we continued to do night operations, we would have just had a massive effect, a massive, massively different effect, I would have said, I would have thought. Um, so I've, I can remember us always moving at night, but then yeah, we would go then. fun for the daytime, yeah, and then Eric, um, what were you? Yeah, it was two different tours. Yeah, you, were you on Herrick 15? Yeah, I was on 59. So I was doing, um, I was a brigade asset on 15. So I was, we were just getting pushed anywhere that was getting a bit punchy, which was quite, which is good because we were busy. Yeah. Busy. We were a lot less kinetic. Um, and I, I learned a lot. We were very tactical in how we engaged the Taliban. We had to think outside the box. And you know what, Sniper Commander's course kind of set, set me up for that. We really had to think about what we were doing and how we were going to try and, you know, it was like a cat in a game of cat and mouse rather than they're there, we're here. Yeah. It's a fucking shootout. Um, aye, we, we were doing night ambushes and we were doing all sorts. We were going out on patrol. We were, we were getting, we got moved into a, a compound with two mercy, you know, they were getting, they were getting engaged every day. Um, twice a day uh, from the same, well, not the same firing points, but at the same time by uh, single shot engagements. We were like, right, perfect. That's our job, counter sniping. So we went in there on a dead of night. Nobody had seen our weapons. Went up there in the morning, waited until the, whatever hours, let's just say it was 10 o'clock, came, no engagement for the first time in however many days. But there was Afghan army dudes and AMP, I think, in the, in the fob we went to, so we think that they tipped them off. Because how would they have known that we'd got in? You know what I mean? We were just trying everything to try and catch them out. Yeah. Um, we spent 40 days and it was called FOB, uh, PB or FOB Quadrat. I think it was PB Quadrat. It was up on the North Dash in the Herrick 15. We spent 40 days there in my uh, sniper section. And we basically pinged the whole enemy screen. We pinged there. There was a guard room. We knew where their strag positions were. We knew they would form up in the morning and come out. We knew where they were hiding their weapons behind the, the sentry point. I mean, the guard commander would come out with scoff on his bike and bring it up to the guy on stag. He'd like his nan read at the same time every day. Fucking Tony, right? Oh, honestly, mate. <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd fought, we'd, um, we'd basically pinned, we'd got everything pinned down. And I was like, right, this is what we're going to do. Here's my plan. Coordinate, shoot at this time onto these targets, you know, because we'd done all the all the work. They had those big Nikon binoculars. I'm sure they were the same ones that they sang at Cross McGlenn. Like, they, they're like a two-man lift. They're on a fucking like a stand. <laughs> Like, but honestly, mate, these things are fucking mega. I know, like times sixty or something. Um, the fucking Hubble telescope, man. Jesus. Oh, honestly, mate, they were they were fucking awesome. So <laughs> we had these, we had these um, binos, and uh, yeah, we're like, right, this is great. We know what the plan is. This is my plan. I'm going to coordinate and shoot. Uh, send that up to the to the OC of that company, and then I was waiting for a reply. But a day later, we were looking at the sentry position, waiting on. Something happened, then just heard whoosh coming from the air, boom, went up in smoke. So they'd hit it from the air. <laughs> I was like, for fuck's sake, man. Oh, so you just spent 40 days gathering all this intelligence, Aye. and then somebody just <laughs> yeah. made up a big target pack and all, yeah. everything, me, all bells and whistles about how I was going to get us into position. And I, nah. Oh. They're right. Do you know, they're probably right at the end of the day just to do it like that. But it just yeah. like, oh, come on. Mate, that must have been absolute fucking yeah. Eric, uh, Eric 15 was, but we took over from the Marines as well in the first place we went to and fair play to the Marines. Um, our first patrol, we went out. So our first patrol out of the Marines, we went out of the out of the um 
front gate, took a left down the canal, and the kids across the canal started shouting, in unison, your daddy fingered you, your daddy <laughs> fingered you. I'm like, are they shouting? I've got this on video. Are they shouting, your daddy fingered you? And like, guys, I think so. And, he's, and some kid runs up, your daddy fingered you, putting his hands out. So the fucking bootnecks mate had taught them that if they say your daddy fingered you, they get a sweet. <laughs> so, so but obviously when we yeah, so when we came in, fucking the, the kids for months, your daddy fingered you, like putting their hand out thinking they're gonna get a sweet. I'm like, fucking bootnecks, man. Well, I mean well, <laughs> I've got the I've got the exact same story, but it was from Oz. Uh, oh really? With a different oh, with a different saying, I, I mean it's it's probably a bit too vulgar to dig, uh, diverge into ah, but, right. It's um, it's something similar, and uh, one of the lads was. If it's more vulgar than that, mate. It must be bad. Yeah, it was very vulgar. Um, and that's why I can't say it. But uh, one of the lads was teaching the kids it, and uh, I, you know, I'm put, I'm coming up and down the line, and I'm just like going to see what, what let's say, for instance, such man, and I'm walking back up and I hear this, and I'm like, what the fuck? I stopped, <laughs> and one of the lads is teaching the kids to say this fucking phrase. And every time they say the phrase, he'd fucking fire a boilie at them. And I'm oh, like, oh God. my God, man. It's like training a dog to sit, you know? Like every time it sits, you <laughs> give him a fucking a dog chew. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Um, anyway, so yeah, like, The kids would follow you everywhere. We gave, we gave them that much pens and sweets and whatnot. They'd just follow you all over the place. Yeah, I mean... Um, I mean... I'm, I'm actually like... So I took a diary on that tour and I'm fucking knocking it up into a book at the minute, but... Um, today I was writing like that exact specific fucking part into the book. Really? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's fucking. Oh mate, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I should the, the uh, actually like because I've wrote it in there at the minute, but I don't know if I should keep it in because it's probably take it out. Maybe maybe change the wording. Yeah, probably change the wording to something a little more PC. But the kid, the kids around there were told they weren't pro ISAF, but they were they used to go alongside us with it. You know, the lead man with the Valen. They had like yeah. a toy Valen. No, I mean, it would. Yeah, so like, alongside the front, the lead man. Yeah, so the thing it's I, insane. the thing I actually put in there was that they were sound, they were sound for like twenty minutes, and then after three hours, you're like, get to fuck, I am fucking done with you, cunts. Please just fucking leave me alone. Um, just constantly, all your tea was pen, 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 kill him, kill him, chocolate, like, chocolate, clam, clam. like give me, give me chocolate, give me chocolate. And then they would say like, "I love Isa, I love Isa," and I'm like, "Man, <laughs> who the fuck is teaching all this sort of shit?" Right, yeah, because um, I just did an ID outside the outside our pub. That was a bad day. Seriously. And then, yeah, I remember. The, I remember. Um, I think the day be- was it the day before. It was heavy rain, and we could just hear all the IDs that the Taliban had put around the pub just going off. Like the rain was triggering them. And we were thinking, oh, that'll be all the IDs clear then. And the next again day, uh, one went off and we thought, oh, that'll be the moisture or whatever. And then um, the local guy from the compound was sort of next to our club come running up with his kid in his hand. The poor wee guy was, was diffy a leg, he lost his leg. But the thing that I remember is the guy was speaking to us in English, saying, please help, please, my, my child. Been, like, we'd seen him like 20, 30 times before and he hadn't spoken a word of English. But anyway, we managed to get him in, inside and they, obviously the medic screwed away the kid and got taken away with that. I was kind of, I reckon if I had kids at that time, it would have affected me more. But it was really, that was, was really bad. Yeah. But. Yeah, man, fucking war's fucking terrible, man. I remember on, mm. on Herrick 10, we seen, uh, I was patrolling. You know how, like, back then you would have a doctor on your patrol with you because you're moving as, like, a company. 
um, compared to like yeah. when you're moving as a mobile. So yeah, how can we be moving as a company? We'd have all the assets with us, fucking whatever, whatever it is, CIA agents, fucking DEA, doctors, yeah. fucking terps, all sorts of people, right? So <clears throat> we're patrolling out to the west of Wahid uh, on Panchai Palai and we ended up being in contact all day long, pretty much. And we were coming back up um, alongside one of the canals and I think two nights before, a GMLRS had been dropped on a compound maybe about three, four hundred metres away from a platoon house that we had set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were being engaged, like there was a massive contact on, on go. And so they brought a GMLRS to fucking wipe out the compound. Um, so anyway, today we were going up and we were doing a BDA on that compound. <clears throat> and so we were patrolling up. Take care of the damage, like... Yeah. Uh, to check out the damage. Yeah, so yeah. we're patrolling up through and we get into the compound and we're like, right, it's obviously fucking flattened. And like, as we're moving through, like we see a dead donkey, we see fucking couple of dead blokes. Um, and like people are, people are going over them and taking fucking biometrics and all this sort of shit. Um, and then as I guess the lead fucking blokes moving off, he moves off through, through a field. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, like right in the center of the fucking field, he like he sees something, so he kind of goes over to it, and he's like, when he gets there, he obviously realizes what it is and passes it on down the line. And we ended up patrolling past it, and the do- we ended up going firm. But oh, I ended up patrolling past it and then going firm, and then the doctor was sent up, and then we were all pushed aside. And what it was was a a little girl's skull. Um, oh, you're you know, joking. No, it'd been fucking like blown to bits and all it was was like um like half of the, the mandible and some teeth and like you know, just the side of it and it's just like Jesus Christ, like you walk past that and you're looking down and you're like fucking hell. Um but yeah man, I mean like you don't have an option when you're when you're being fucking smashed from somewhere that's three hundred meters away, like yeah. No evidence that there's fucking civilians there whatsoever and you drop a GMLRS and it like like this is just the outcome of fucking warfare. It's it's vicious. It's fucking yeah. hell at the end of the day. Like those are the hard, those are the hardest bouts to take, aren't they? Those yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm lucky. I've not had any like real major fucking problems from, uh, in terms of mental health for that. But I know some other people have had like really fucking terrible times. Let's just say fucking mm-hmm. Captain Hardy for one, and uh, and there's been obviously other people, numerous people throughout the throughout the army that have fucking. I've really struggled with it, but like you said, like you're lucky that you've never had any issues. I'm, I'm, I'm not had anything significant that's that's uh, plagued me. So kind of lucky in that sort of sense, because like we said earlier, it's not, it's not necessarily a choice. It's just you know how your fucking genetics are working in your body at the time. Yeah, it's fucking mad. And I, I hope would have been like that as well. I hope it's, you know, what I mean, you never, you just don't know what's in the corner. You just. Yeah, I know. Yeah, people trigger, but no, nah, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that sounded positive. Well, here, here we'll, we'll start to wrap it up, and I, I actually want to get onto your, uh, your fucking morale. That I get a wee bit morale from it's uh, the dog Wallace. Oh yeah, he's sitting next to me just now. <laughs> right, tell us. Tell some cunts what, uh, 
who the dog Wallace is? Basically, Wallace is my wee border terrier. I think he's five now, but he's he's like an old man these days, honestly. But he's great. He comes out um, comes out with the not so much now actually, but he comes out with the uh, company on PT, but not. He loves he loves tabbing. He can salute. Uh, he's realised that if he salutes, people give him food, <laughs> especially especially around obviously the floor and whatnot. So you'll just cut about saluting people. He's just banging about. Uh, going, uh, bang, he's just cutting about banging up. Yeah. Is he? he's just he's banging up saluting really nearly me. Doesn't regardless <laughs> the rank. Saluting guys in the field, everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's 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 a good, he's a good companion. And uh, he's got an Instagram page, right? No, that's my Instagram page. I just called it me and the dogs because do you know what? Me and him have nothing anymore because eh? I've got a family. I thought you had a, I thought you had a, I'm, I've got it written down here the dog Wallace. Is that your is that not an Instagram page? No, no, so it's called me it's me and the dog. Right. Well I don't know what I fucking searched that says something the dog Wallace, so does it? <laughs> yeah. I like before I had children I just had a, I had an Instagram just for me and the me and the dog. Right. Uh, <laughs> Just, just for pictures of us two. <laughs> yeah, I see him. I know I've got, I see him I've got a family. I see him out in the time, uh, out in the, all the time when you fucking smashing out tabs and fucking all sorts of PT and that. Yeah, and, um, he is, he is fit like I'll give him that. And the wee man, the wee man's always there, front centre. I, see, I do see that you have to put him in your fucking burger a, a couple of times though. <laughs> Aye, we'll not talk about that. Kazi back. <laughs> fucking weak. <laughs> right, I'm uh, sure he'd carry me if he could. <laughs> Aye, nah, cheer, cheers for that, mate. I've not, honestly, I could have talked to you for five, six hours. I don't even touch depot or like being an instructor or nothing, mate. So, yeah. Well, hey, listen. I, hope, I just hope somebody finds something of value from from that chat or, or something. Yeah, like I that. mean, I fucking loved it myself personally, and like uh, at the end of the day, everyone that I've heard from has always been saying the same sort of thing as you. Like, it's fucking brilliant. Like, uh. Um, you know, fucking listening to it, it's just like um, can relate so much to it. It's like it's class just to listen back to other people's experiences of being there at the same time, or even just you know from a different outlook sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what what I do want to finish on is like, uh, and I think I'm probably going to start doing this in the ones in the future is <clears throat> looking back over your career as a whole. Uh, and this could obviously like be something that we've not touched on, but like if you were to look back over your career as a whole, what would you say is one of your one or two of your career highlights? Oh fucking hell! You should have you, you should have warned me off for this. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, like, ten. No, I, I, no, I know I've talked about Herrick Ten a lot, but that's definitely one of them. Um, just, that'll never be replicated again. I can't see it. and. I really don't know, to be honest. See, at the time, passing out to depot, this sounds fucking ridiculous and retarded. See, passing out of training for, for this, where I was at that time, I think I was quite proud to to pass out. Yeah. Have a red hackle. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's, like, that's fucking, that's, um, it's not something to be knocked because most boys, most guys are kind of like, oh, fuck it, it's fucking basic training or whatever, you know, giving it the hard yeah. one. Belly. And I mean, I, I never really, I never really felt proud passing out of training. I felt proud when I got to my unit and it's like, right, you're going to knock. So I'm like, right, fucking mm. hell. Like now, now I feel proud. But 
you know, that was a weak difference from you. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fucking. It's not something to be knocked, you know. And it's coming yeah, it from. It sounds like a sounds like a silly answer, but yeah. No, nah, I mean, like, listen, you you you're well within your right to think whatever you want, and I, like I said, I almost completely agree with you, with with a degree of one week difference. So, um, yeah, it's fucking. It's awesome, like that you're you know humble enough to I guess to admit that. But um it's been fucking class having you on mate and yeah, like, like like I said um earlier on, it's it's not about me, it's about letting guys come on and express themselves and you know share what they've been up to and and like I said uh with Halliday as well. If some guy comes on here and they're struggling and all they want to do is just relate to something or listen to some familiar voices or listen to some people of a familiar uh, a familiar background and it helps them out in any sort of way whatsoever, then listen, I'm going to keep keep, keep doing it. And if people are contacting me and saying that this is class, this is what they want to hear, like can't wait to hear another one, then like I said, I'm going to just keep doing it. Uh, and there's no sponsor, there's no fucking monetary value to me doing this. Like, yeah, um, it's solely just for myself as a hobby to keep myself busy to not have any spare time fucking just sitting about miserable sort of thing so <clears throat> yeah i just want to thank Hopefully. you very much for uh supporting and yeah thanks for opening up and discussing a bunch of cool shit that you've been up to so yeah 